As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Today on the podcast, we talked with Ben Sardella, sales guru and co-founder of Datanize. He talked with us about specific sales tactics like personalized emails social media outreach, and more. He shares the mistakes he sees companies make over and over again. I don't know about you, but I'd take his advice seriously. Awesome stuff from Ben. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Ben Sardella, the co-founder of Datanize. Ben, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
Absolutely. So why don't you give us a quick overview of what Datanize uh, does? Sure. So, uh, so Datanize tracks uh, millions and millions of websites daily to find uh, you know, real-time data on the technologies that every website's using. And we use that data to enable sales and marketing teams to target uh, the right type of prospects, um, to understand better about their own customer base, and to improve you know, the level of conversations they're having from an outbound perspective, as well as uh, addressing some of the, uh, the needs of, you know, of their uh, existing customers or potential customers. So where did this idea come from? Um, what were you working on that kind of led up to it? Yeah, well, I have a co-founder. Uh, his name is Ilya Semin, and Ilya has, is, is one of the premier uh, engineers in the, uh, in the data crawling space in, in, in the entire world. So it's good to have, uh, first off, an extremely bright and intelligent uh, co-founder that's been thinking about this for a long time and gotten really good at it. Um, but I, you know, I started my career uh, as the first sales rep at NetSuite. And from there, I've been sort of in the SaaS space my whole life. And, you know, the number one thing as a salesperson is there's not enough leads. There's not enough leads. And so, um, you know, that starts to, you know, translate from you saying that to you move into management and all of a sudden you're hearing all of your reps say the same exact thing. And rather than, you know, pointing the finger at marketing, um, you know, the onus is on sales a lot of times to go out and find the right leads uh, from an outbound perspective and targeting the right leads um, is, uh, you know, is a, is a challenge for any salesperson. And when I was running sales and um, over at Kissmetrics, um, you know, they do a tremendous job with their content strategy. Um, you know, the team's great over there. But with a content strategy, sometimes the types of leads that come in may not be at the level um, from a size perspective or a revenue opportunity perspective that you might need for such a growing uh, sales team. And so as the, as the challenges start to grow, to, to, to grow revenue and things like that, um, it, you have to start targeting the right type of uh, companies. And um, so we had gone out and we had purchased a list of data um, from data.com. We started to, you know, segment that list out to the team. And as the team started to call down that list in the first few weeks, they were coming back to me. And now they were saying not that they didn't have any leads, but the data you gave me is terrible and, and we still don't have any leads. So we just <laughs> compounded the problem even worse. Um, so, you know, we, we sort of said, okay, let's stop using this data. Um, but of course that, that means we never solved the problem that we had in the first place. And right around that same time, um, in a very serendipitous moment in my life, uh, I was uh, introduced from a coworker to uh, to Ilya, uh, who had this idea of um, you know crawling uh, the web for what technologies those sites were using and, and enabling sales and marketing people to potentially use that data. And wasn't sure if that was a good you know, business case and how, how, you know, what would be the best way to execute on, on something like that. So we actually, um, met up and started to, he kind of showed me an initial prototype and I kind of said to him, all right, well, we need all these things if my team's ever going to use this. And, um, you know, so I expected to maybe never even hear from him again. And in like a week he had it all built out and then said, Hey, let's meet again. And so we met again and yeah, we, he started to show me what we, what he had built. And, um, you know, and then we, we had the Kissmetrics team start using it, uh, from the go and they had instant success, um, finding, you know, 
really great leads, growing the outbound pipeline tremendously, um, closing deals from an outbound perspective that we would have never even found. And, um, and as that started to happen, I started to become more and more uh, committed to the product and everything. And eventually, um, you know, and I love the team at Kiss Metrics, and it was one of the hardest decisions of my life. But, you know, I always wanted to pursue co-founding a company and, um, and had that opportunity. And, and that's when I moved over to Data Nice full time with, uh, with Ilya. And we've been, we've been growing ever since. Nice. So is the, the kind of use case where, you know, Kiss Metrics writes a blog post, gets a bunch of leads in, and then cross references it through the data that you have to see which lead should bubble up to the top? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting use case and definitely possible. So um, you could easily give me a list of domains and I could go run those through DataNize and tell you all the technologies those sites are using. And from there, um, if you have a good understanding of what types of um, you know technology usage patterns exist within your existing customer base or where you've had high levels of success, you could definitely use that data from there. But in, in other ways, for instance, we have... Basically, everybody in the marketing automation space uses us today. So that you know, you, you, all the all the usual suspects are in there, and um, and and with that, you know, they all want to know when one or the uh, one of one uh, a new trial signed up for one of the other's technologies, um, and they get daily alerts on that. So, you know, if if I'm a marketer rep, I want to know um, every single day when. Um, when a new someone new has signed up for uh, you know for Acton or vice versa, so there's um, lots of good real time data in there, which creates the opportunity to be introduced into a buying cycle um, on the customer side, and um, you know they're looking at certain types of technologies and they're thinking about those things, and and that just gets you right in front of them immediately. Very interesting. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I wanted to take a minute to thank CodeShip for sponsoring the show. CodeShip makes continuous deployment simple and easy, and we've actually been happy customers of theirs for a very long time. You should go to codeship.io slash rocketship to check out videos and tutorials all about how you can start using CodeShip to deploy your product in a better way. Enjoy the rest of the episode. You know, a lot of what you've been talking about is getting leads, right? Mm-hmm. And that's obviously problem number one. You don't have leads. You don't have anyone to go after. Right. But what's really difficult for um, us personally, and I know you know most of our listeners, anyone running any kind of business, is what do you do with those leads, and how can you you know make the most of your time and provide um, the the best service to those people. So I guess to give you an example uh, with Hookfeed. Uh, what we've been doing from a sales side right now is experimenting with cold emails. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've been researching people pretty heavily that are good targets once we have those leads and then uh, putting together really personalized emails that go out to them. And at the end of the day, if I look back at the amount of time spent doing that, it's a significant portion of my day and we're a two person mm-hmm. team right now. So I'm always looking at ways to, kind of automate that process a bit without losing that personal touch. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Right. So, um, you know, depending on, um, you know, for our customers, it's a very similar situation. So I'll give you a quick example of what some of our customers do, and then maybe we can talk a little bit more specifically for you, but cause it's the same problem, but you know, the solution can, can vary depending on what it is you're selling. So for our customers, they want to make those emails about, 
uh, those customers. And that's what you always want to do. Nobody um, really responds to just general cold emails anymore if it's not about them. If you try to make it about your service, that's a quick delete. So, um, so the initial thing, obviously, is you want to make it always about the person that you're, um, you're reaching out to. In our world, for our customers, they know that a customer may be using a, a specific type of technology. And so let's say they integrate in with that technology. They can start telling the story about how they work with um, customers that, um, that have integrated their solution with the current solution that they use and how you know the benefit that they got from that and how it might make their life a little bit better or easier, et cetera. Um, for you guys... Um, depending on you know the types of services and things you're selling, it could be a technology thing. It could also just be something basic like show me um, referencing something I may have tweeted about or um, or or wrote a blog about or something like that. Where um, if you if you were to cold cold email me and you said, "Hey Ben, I read your tweet the other day about um, you know about the seven steps to getting a hundred thousand dollar deal closed." Um, I thought it was really fascinating, had a quick question, like, I'm going to respond to you because you just made it about me. And I would feel really awkward if you read that blog post and I didn't respond to, <laughs> to you if you had a question about it. So I think just keeping in mind about making it about them, which I think you're doing, um, you know, so let's talk a little bit further about that. How how custom are you making those emails and how much are you making it about them and, and how much research are you putting into that beforehand? So the emails themselves, um, I'm putting a fair amount of, of research and time into writing, uh, each one, I would say, um, maybe about 20 to 30 minutes, um, including all the research and, um, putting it together and emailing them. But the upfront work, um, that takes a ton of time is really just finding who to email. And that's, I guess, part of getting leads, but it's still really difficult to find, the person to email because you can find in, in our case companies that use Stripe. Um, but who at that company really should I be talking to? Right. So what we've typically seen is that LinkedIn is, is becoming the, the de facto source for any key contacts that happen to be at an organization. We we're actually, um, we've actually just rolled out a, an integration around some of that, um, some of that data. And, and there's lots of great tools out there. Um, you know, to find individuals at a, at a particular company. Sales Loft is another great tool um, that can be used. But overall, LinkedIn happens to be the, the de facto database. What I would say is you'd probably want to cut that research time down by, you know, down to no more than, than three to five minutes tops. Um, and how I would do that is once you've determined the right companies, I would go to LinkedIn um, quickly find the 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 role individual in the organization that you want to find and then see if they've shared any content through there. Um, I'd also then do a quick search on maybe Twitter and see if they've shared anything uh, recently with that. If you're having trouble finding their email address, you know, Reportive is a really great plugin to use to find email. Uh, we've got an email finder. Salesloft has an email finder. So there's lots of good email tools out there to actually find the right contact info to engage with individuals as well. Um, but um, but I would say I would you know personally I would pinpoint those two um, those two areas first. There's another great tool I've used recently as well, which is um, which is called Charlie, and Charlie will give you a, a quick um, overview of a person you may be 
engaging with and it'll give you a summary of their LinkedIn and um, some of their social feeds and things like that. But all you really want to do is find one little nugget that you can hang on to uh, that is about them. So if they just shared something recently, made a reference or a quote, sometimes in Quora, you can find people responding to certain questions. And again, if you're just playing off of something that they've either contributed, shared, uh, referenced, etc., um, you're going to see really high rates and you're going to cut your uh, your research time down significantly. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. And would you suggest using that uh, personal nugget like your blog post on X as the subject line of that email? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And then uh, one other question. We've been experimenting, like I said, with these cold emails. One thing we haven't done uh, and I'm curious your thoughts on this as well, is actually just picking up the phone and calling people. It's always a great way to uh, to go. Um, the problem is phone numbers aren't always readily available. And, um, and when you, uh, you know, when you try to get into decision makers, a lot of times there's um, admins that are sort of blocking the gate to not let you in. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fine to try that out. Um, my, my, uh, my advice to any, you know, early stage company is try out a bunch of stuff and make sure you're measuring it and testing those things. So, you know, going back to your emails first off, um, you know, yes, where is a really great tool, for instance, to build a couple of different email templates, try to, um, compare whether a longer researched email is getting, you know, opened and, and ending up to convert to a response, et cetera, versus something where you're only spending, you know, three to five minutes and doing research and then sending out the email and then, you know, measure that against how many you were able to send out versus, um, how little you were able to send out in the other one and then compare the conversion rates, uh, at the end of all of that and, and sort of measure what's better for you. Um, same thing with, with calls, you know, you're going to have to expect that it may take seven to eight times to actually call somebody on average before they even pick up the phone or before they call you back. The problem with that for, uh, for small startups is that they don't really have all the time in the world to call and call and call. They don't have the resources and things like that. So email becomes a much more efficient way to try to engage. So is the main goal of this, this first email that you're sending out just to get a response? It is. Yeah. It's start to engage and, and you know, that, that is primary goal. Number one, I'd say the other side of things that people don't do as much as you think they would do is actually trying to engage on social media, um, first. And that's, um, that's something that people would think would be really obvious, but, um, actually I get far less, you know, sort of engagements via social and I have you know, tens of thousands of followers on Twitter, for instance, and very few actually engage with me at a personal level. Um, it, you know, not saying those canned sort of auto 
direct messages that go out, but something that's a little bit more personal and direct to me. Um, I get very few of those and I do my best to try to respond to almost all of those when I can. So, um, and I'll respond to those a lot faster than I will actually a cold email. So I'd say there's some social platforms that are actually kind of untapped and, you know, Twitter, everybody knows and LinkedIn, everybody knows, but, um, there are a lot more of those popping up, um, where it might be a little bit, uh, uh, less trafficy to engage with them, and you might get a, a faster response too. And how slow is this game that you're playing? Is it are you getting the response after the first email and then making a friend to follow up a few weeks later and talk about the product or get their feedback on it, or are you transitioning to a a sale conversation pretty quickly? You know, uh, it, once you start selling, I think you're you know, people are going to back away until you actually have a relationship with them first. So I think you have to establish some, some level of trust with somebody before, um, they're willing to consider talking to you about their product. Um, and sometimes that trust gets created by them visiting your website, reading case studies, you know, doing research before they ever talk to you. Um, but if you are the one actually reaching out to them, they've never heard of you before. And now you're trying to sell them, you're going to put them off. So I would say, um, establishing a little bit of a relationship initially, which may be, um, you know, on social media could be a little bit of back and forth a couple of times. Um, and then sort of introducing a little bit more about what you do or how you can help. Um, but I think the whole point is just being relevant. Um, if, if what you are kind of hanging on for that nugget of, of something that they've put out there in the, in the universe, if you're kind of going to hang on something with that, just make sure it's somewhat relevant to what you do, which will be able to help you navigate into a conversation where they're actually interested in engaging about your services. So what are some common things that you see uh, smaller or newer companies, what mistakes uh, are they making over and over? Yeah, the, I think the one common thing I see the most is that um, small companies grow really fast and everybody does a lot of jobs. Everybody wears lots of hats. Um, and very quickly you start to realize that everybody's just doing what needs to be done immediately. And, um, very few people kind of take a step back and go, okay, where are we at? Um, you know, who is buying from us and let's think about these guys a little bit more. And so when I ask entrepreneurs, a lot of times when I'm meeting with them, when they want help, I say, who is your perfect prospect? A lot of times, uh, one of the founders will give me one answer and the other founder will give me a slightly different answer. And what happens there is if two co-founders are giving you two different answers, what do you think is happening in the marketing team? And then what do you think is happening in the sales team? What do you think is happening in the support team and in the engineering team even and product team? So, um, so very quickly, the, the, the idea of who exactly it is that's your perfect you know, prospect starts to unravel right from the very top down. And, um, and so I actually have them go through an exercise where everybody on the team gets together and they identify who their top five customers are and who their worst five customers are. And, um, and then it, it, it quickly starts to be an exercise of finding that, you know, perfect alignment where this is the, type of organization we're going to go after. And, um, and then once you've kind of identified that, so whether that's, you know, they use certain technologies or they're a certain size or they're located in a certain place. And from there, it's a certain role at, the, at a company that looks like, you know, what we've all determined. 
um, you know, and they get the, the, the biggest bang for the buck right away. And th- these guys are all happy. And why are these customers unhappy? Once you start to unravel all that stuff and you sort of paint that perfect picture there, um, it then becomes a process of focus uh, for every one of those departments. And that's sometimes the hardest thing because we, uh, you know, as, as young entrepreneurs um, or startups, you know, you walk into a pitch meeting and the first thing you're going to get asked, or one of the first things you get asked is, well, what's your total addressable market? How big of an opportunity is this really? And then when you start to think about your perfect prospect, all of a sudden you've kind of um, filtered out a lot of those that you would think might be in your sort of general target market. And it gets a little scary because you may have to drop some uh, opportunities out of your pipeline. And, um, and you may really maybe the things you're working on, maybe it's only 25% of kind of everything you've been working on that are actually a perfect fit for you. Um, but the goal there is that now you're focused as an organization, a hundred percent on your perfect prospect and everybody starts winning. You, your close rates go up dramatically. Uh, everybody's happy on the team because you're supporting good customers or getting value. You're getting really good feedback from those customers. They're getting value. They're out then evangelizing for you, which then attracts other perfect customers right into you and, uh, and so forth. So, um, so that's the thing I have them focus on first. Cause I, I find often that, you know, there's a, there's a different definition across the entire organization. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And we've definitely seen that too. Um, if, if we were to speak broadly, we'd say, you know, our target is anyone who uses Stripe, obviously, but it's really not that simple. Um, and especially if we're taking a lot of personal time out to, you know, reach out to very specific people that happen to use Stripe, um, we're going to have to absolutely be on the same page as to who they are and whether that's the type of company or the size company or what they're selling. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can define that, but I think for us, it would definitely be a cop out to just say anyone who uses Stripe. Right. Exactly. I had a question about the sales process and it, it, it's going to be very general, obviously. Okay. Um, but I was wondering what kind of cadence you typically set up. Um, you know, if you're doing an email campaign, um, how often do you follow up? Um, you know, when do you try to get them on the phone? Are there certain signs that you look for? Uh, I'm sure it's different in everywhere, but are there some general rules that you kind of train your, your sales teams to follow? Yeah. So I, you know, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, a lot of times you're going to expect that if you're just calling and especially from a cold perspective, you know, it, it can take up to seven or eight times to actually engage. And, and, um, what you start to see, especially as sales teams grow is that, that starts to fall off as teams grow, you know, demand kind of grows, you get a lot of inbounds, your, you know, reps focus on sort of the low hanging fruit and they don't want to put the work in a lot of times to um, actually engage with somebody that has come to your website and said they were interested, but then becomes a little bit hard to follow up with. So, um, so we put a six touch process in place here um, where you know, that's just before we even engage with, um, with the, uh, with the where we're, you know, making a phone call. If, um, we may not leave a email, we may follow up with an email, um, first, uh, every couple of times we call, we'll probably leave a voicemail just, um, because they probably have caller ID and it might get a little awkward if you're stalking them. So you want to avoid that. 
but um, I'd say having a, a bit of a follow-up where, you know, if it's an inbound lead and you're responding to them, I would give it every couple of days um, to make sure, you know, they're, they're, you know, they have a little bit of time to read your email and then respond back. So say within the first week, I'll probably email them twice, you know, and then after that, it may be, you know, once a week thereafter from an email perspective um if i'm outbound you know it's probably more like once every you know two weeks give them some time to respond um i do want to get them on the phone as quickly as possible um and once you do get them on the phone it's really making it about them so um you know the the next big mistake is you know hey you finally made all that effort to engage with somebody and then you know you have a little bit of time on the phone to actually uh, communicate with them and so you get really excited and you want to tell them all about your services and try to get them excited about your services where um what you really should be doing is um is really understanding like what problems they're having why did they respond to you what trigger went off um when they were um when they were reading what you what you had to say or they went and visited your website what trigger went off for them to go you know what, I'm actually kind of interested in this and I'd like to learn more. Um, and, you know, you know, to kind of have a service like yours, but without sort of pushing your service in front of them. And what you'll quickly find is that customers start opening up and, or prospects start opening up and they start explaining to you all the problems that they're actually dealing with. And if you can start addressing even one of those problems in a very effective way uh, and focus on that, then you're going to have a lot of success in gaining that next 15 minutes to talk to them. And then eventually, you know, it, you can really start to go through a demo of your entire product, et cetera. I really appreciate you kind of giving us a little further insight into that, into your sales process. Um, so thank you so much for coming on here. And tell us where can we keep up with Datanize and you on online? Sure. So the website for the company is datanize.com, D-A-T-A-N-Y-Z-E. And you can catch me on Twitter at Ben Sardella. And uh, that's about it. So if you guys um, ever have any questions, want to reach out, connect, I'm always happy to, uh, to connect and help out any entrepreneur that's out there. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Pretty mommies want some Tell them call BK Do it how Biggie say spread love The hard Harris on Throw it on Get it off Just spit it raw Till they can't get enough Hit it, hit it Cause the real niggas Get it dumb Walk down like a loud round Not a dumb dumb
ammunition that they can't hold in its bullet. Shout out an earthquake too. See how I drop the jewel, it's the golden rule. A B C, always be cool. They need to teach it at every school. We said A B Y, always be you. That man has always been true, real, true, skill, true, hell. Get a world, I know exactly how it feels. Some go right, some go.